Welcome to Unsung Heroes with Johnny, Daniel, James, and Sam. Our goal is to leave no hero unsung. Welcome to the Unsung Heroes podcast. I'm Johnny, and I'm joined here by James. Hey, hey, hey. Daniel. Greetings. And we have Samuel. Hello? <laughs> Samuel, are you lost? Samuel, um, we're, you know, we're back in the podcast, Samuel. I think oh. our introductions are getting crazier and crazier. <laughs> that is okay. I just found myself in front of a mic. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Did you wander into the studio? Yeah. I just <laughs> The door was open. I just let myself in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, so, welcome back, everyone. Yeah, today we have an unsung hero for you guys named Vivian Thomas, who was a very proficient doctor, uh, born in 1910 from Louisiana. Whoop whoop. Yeah. So James is from Louisiana. So represent originally. Yes. Yes. And uh, and today we have Daniel, who will be uh, telling us about him. So Daniel, why don't you give us a sneak peek? So I heard about this guy uh, through my wife's cousin who heard about him in school when a friend was given a presentation on this guy. And she was so amazed and could not believe that not that many people know about him. And she brought it up and I thought, you know what? This is a, this is a great idea. So again, we encourage audience participation. So if you guys have mm-hmm. any idea of heroes, let us know. Yeah, for sure. So you said it was a, it was a school. Was it like in high school or college or what? Um, college or gra- I think grad school maybe so yes anyway so sh- let's we'll give a shout out to Anna and we'll we'll say she's from Nashville I, I don't think she is originally but anyway so she is the friend who gave this presentation on Vivian Thomas and the funny thing about this guy is how he's fairly well known I'm assuming in the medical field because he's huge in the medical field but outside of that I'm not assuming too many people know him but yeah, he so he was born in Louisiana. He's the grandson of a slave who eventually went on to come up with an extremely, extremely important surgery on infants' hearts to allow them to pretty much live. Wow. Um, so, you, yeah, you, you guys are going to want to stick around for this one. Wow. Mm. So it's, infants, that's so interesting, like operating on the heart of an infant of an infant that sounds yeah, like which the most delicate surgery yeah it's crazy too because they b- broke a lot of medical taboos at the time with having to prepare like to get ready to work on these babies they had to do heart surgeries on dogs which was like oh, a, wow. Ugh, what are yeah. you guys doing but i mean wow. it you know it seems gross but at the same time it makes sense that yeah. they need similar situations to get practice so you know one interesting thing um we so often take for granted the amazing progress that we've made in uh the field of medicine right yeah especially medicine you know i feel like we like there's a lot of things we take for granted you know technology and everything but like i don't think we realize how horrible just getting a like the flu was Uh, uh, like 200 years ago that would have been like spanish flu 100 years ago oh my gosh i i I don't remember the numbers on that but that was like hundreds i think influenza killed more people after world war one than world war one did 
I think, oh, I think something crazy. like that. I'm not Dude. sure the exact numbers, but that's just to give you an indication of how well, I need to fact check that, but yeah. <laughs> that's close, though. Yeah. It's certainly close. I know that at least. Yeah. But If you're yeah. in the audience, please fact check us. Yeah. <laughs> and e- g- give us a very long email about yes. why we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can leave your fact check as a five-star review on iTunes. Um. <laughs> as long as it's five stars, I don't care what you say. <laughs> the pandering People is People don't read those anyway. It's just about the numbers. You know? yeah. but, no, we're, we're kidding. But yeah. please do give us five stars. That would be very interesting. Yes. Hey, that's a great segue, Daniel, by the hey, way. all right. To, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. But even more than that, share it with some friends, family, anyone you think who would enjoy it. People who like history, people who like podcasts. Or even people who wouldn't enjoy it. Maybe yeah, share it with people who you think wouldn't and wouldn't like it. They might like it. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to this. <laughs> Man, what, yeah. we should gonna start getting a bunch of one star reviews and one one. <laughs> anyway, we'll go ahead and move on with the, with the episode. So, yep, sounds yeah, good. So yeah. yeah, welcome everyone. Thank you for listening. Today we're going to talk about Vivian Thomas, like I said earlier. So let's let's get into it. So this legendary man, he is born in Louisiana in 1910. The, he's, he's a grandson of a slave, and just keep that in mind of like how how recent that was, considering right. his life achievements. Mm, yeah. So he attended high school in Nashville, and afterwards he wanted to go to college to become a doctor, um, but this was right around the time of the Great Depression, so he had mm. to get a job and try to work and make some money. Mm. So he started off um, working as a carpenter in Vanderbilt University in 1929 but was laid off very soon afterwards. And then he he actually started school at what is now Tennessee State University as a pre-med student, but he had to drop out very soon again to work. So Oh, so he, he didn't have enough money? Yeah, he, he just had to, you know, keep working. Um, which is like a common thread in his youth of he's he kept wanting to study but had to just make money, so he had to stop studying and have to I, work, you know. That so sounds like, very familiar. <laughs> I feel like today that happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure more for, you know, an African-American man and the Great Depression more than... Yeah, yeah especially think, during the Great Depression. Do right. you know, so you said he was laid off in, like shortly after 1929. Was it like because of the Great Depression? I mean, I don't know. That, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming so. You know, people were, yeah, getting fired left and right and jobs were being scrapped, so... Hmm. probably something to do with that but so then the next year in february of 1930 through a friend he got connected with dr alfred blaylock at vanderbilt university and started working as his surgical research assistant and on his very first day he helped the doctor with a surgical experiment on a dog Hmm. oh wow on his first day that's you know that what that is what you call hit the ground running right there yeah Yeah, like what is a surgical research assistant like even do that's, so that's my question so well he, so they do that experiment on that first day and but at the end of his first day dr blaylock tells him to tells vivian thomas to come in early the next morning and put an animal to sleep and get it set up so that's one of the things he did was to get you know come in early you know put a put an animal to quote unquote sleep and then set up whether it means you know opening up some parts of the body that they need to reach and you wow. know, getting stuff set up. So, 
So uh, he probably was helping. So he wasn't doing a lot of this research just himself. He was like helping Dr. Blaylock do the yes. research. Yes, especially especially in this very first stage. He's mostly just helping out. But, gotcha. But that is a great question, Johnny, because later on you'll see that he starts to dabble a little bit himself. Oh. Yes, he's, a, he's a very... Foreshadowing. Very, very smart guy, but <laughs> yeah, so he, within just a few weeks, he starts surgery on his own. So before where he's just setting it up and waiting for Dr. Blaylock to get there, he is, within just a few weeks, he's gotten to a point where he can start it all on his own. Well, that didn't um, take long. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, this guy's very smart. And he was still classified and paid as a janitor, although by... He, like within half a decade or so, he was doing the work of a postdoctoral researcher in the lab. So he wow. is, wow, but yeah. being paid as a janitor, yeah, he's very advanced at this point and he's doing great things, but he's classified and paid as a janitor by the university, wow. which wow. you know, that's that's got to really stink. Hmm. Did yeah. he so, um, but did he have any like the degree qualifications to do no, operations? He, he didn't have he didn't have any like official schooling past high school. That's wow. what he had done. Wow, so, that's, amazing. that's amazing. So well, I'm assuming so, this was probably due to racial segregation issues. Is that correct? That he was not? Um, it seems mostly due to financial reasons, but I am sure that that played a lot into it. Wait, okay. Are you talking about the... Well, the fact that he's paid as a janitor, right? Oh, or was yeah, that just yeah, because okay, he snuck that, on? Or Yeah, I'm sure that's, you know, a lot of it's, I mean, he's not, he doesn't actually have a degree, but I'm sure it's also because of segregation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as if that that's not bad enough. Several months later, um, at that time, the banks in Nashville failed, so all of his uh, Thomas's savings were wiped out. So he had to uh, completely like give up plans for college and medical school at that point, and just have to like be happy with having a low paying job because mm. it's just it's hard getting by at that point, and he has like no money to his name. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he, yeah, he continues to work with Dr. Blaylock, um, and they make significant headway eventually in traumatic shock research. So this is pointed out as being one of their earliest first big thing. Um, they disproved the earlier theories that shock was caused by toxins, which are poisonous fluids essentially in the blood. But rather it was caused, so it wasn't caused by those, but it was rather caused by fluid loss outside the vascular bed. Which, so the whole, I'm going to be giving y'all some medical terms. I don't fully know this all myself, so I may be. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say the, so, the vascular bed. Yeah, that's like, it's like a collection of blood vessels. Kind of huh. think about that. So rather than the toxins, they're saying the shock is caused by a fluid loss, loss outside the vascular bed, and it could be treated by fluid replacement. And they actually provide irrefutable proof and because of this, Dr. Blaylock gained wide recognition in the medical community right around this time. And so you know, he's starting to be very well known for this research, but also other ones to come. And right around then is when they start um, going against the medical taboos and starting operating upon the heart and starting uh, experimenting in vascular and cardiac surgery. Wow. Again, vascular relating to like, blood vessels and cardiac you know, around the heart. Um, so was this, wow. was this developed at all? Um, this, the, you know, cardiac surgery and, and things of this nature. Yeah. So that- around this time, it, it, especially with what they're specifically doing, it's very, 
not that discovered in a sense, like not that much had been done around it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least, at least the trajectory they're going towards, you know, cardiac surgery on infants was not right. really well known. So yeah. they're really, they're really in the forefront of a lot of groundbreaking research here. Um, wow. And very, very practical too, not just theoretical. Um, so, a lot, you know, a lot of people are recognizing this. And by 1940, Dr. Blaylock had, had gained such a reputation that he was asked to become the chief of surgery at Johns Hopkins, which, as you all know, is an extremely prestigious medical institution. Yeah. Wow. Um, but he, he asked that Thomas come with him. Um, so Thomas decides to move. I think he, he, already, he has a family at this point as well. So he, him and his family move to Baltimore, where Johns Hopkins is located. Hmm. Um, so he moves from Nashville to Baltimore, and it's said that he actually faced way worse racism in Baltimore than he did in Nashville. Wow. Which, which to me was pretty crazy because I've always, maybe this is more of an ignorant view as a foreigner, but it's just always seen like the South was where it was concentrated, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Farther up north you went, it, I thought maybe it was easier. That's so definitely at least the stereotype that's that's given out most of the time about the South uh, back then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, yeah. In, in Baltimore, I, I, I don't know. I haven't heard about that specifically, but yeah. Do you know what the relationship between like Dr. Blaylock um, was like, how did he, I don't know. How did the two view each other? Like, was it just like a working relationship? Were they friends yeah, that's a that's a great question, Sam. And I will be waiting towards the later part of this oh, of this adventure. So to I have to be on the edge of that. my seat. Yes, so. because it's it's really interesting to to analyze their relationship after you hear about it. Okay, um, all right. It seems like it seems like there's a lot of you know back and forth. Um, so moving on, the only black employees at the institution were janitors. So. Vivian Thomas is the only per, in the, the only African American walking around in a lab coat, so he got a ton of looks wherever he went in his lab coat. Man, and people just really looked down on him, mm-hmm. and it just it got so bad that he began wearing his city clothes, so normal outdoors clothes, when he walked from the lab to Doctor Blaylock's office because he received so much attention. Just, wow. just a short walk to the office. Yeah, just so wow. just so he wouldn't get all these looks because he looked so different. <clears throat> wow. It's yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. And so 1943, while working on shock research, so this is a few years after they arrived in Vanderbilt. I mean, on John Johns Hopkins at this point. Um, Dr. Blaylock is approached by Helen Tossig, who's a pediatric cardiologist. So pediatric meaning, you know, working with infants, children, young adults. And so she, she was seeking a solution to a complex and fatal four-part heart anomaly called tetralogy of phallet. And this is a type of heart de- defect uh, also at birth that's also known as the blue baby syndrome. Because mm-hmm. babies born with this would have blood, blood pushed past their lungs, thus creating an oxygen deprivation, which caused a bluish look. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. wow. So she was thinking that there could be a way to like reconnect the pipes so as to increase the blood flow to the lungs, but she she didn't know how. So she kind of had the idea of you know, maybe there's something here. I just don't I have no idea how you would actually 
you know, conduct such a thing. It's honestly just amazing to me that people could even be like daydreaming about this and like trying to figure out solutions because this is like, I don't know, it's just so over my head in so many this ways. Is, yeah, this is one of those fields where I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't even know enough to hypothesize yeah, what would be like, wrong. How do you, you even know? come to these conclusions? It's just yeah. amazing to me. Yep. A lot, a lot of respect to you guys out there in med school, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, a lot, lot, mad respect. So, you know, think about this lady who is working as a pediatric cardiologist. And as a result of the blue baby syndrome, what happens is like infants aren't able to take more than a few steps as they're starting to crawl or whatever or walk because everything gets, again, I'm just, I'm not using the right terminology here, but you know, they have such a lack of oxygen that mm. it's just disabling them from moving and eventually from living. So a lot of them would die at infancy or, you know, as a child or whatnot, and it would just you know, severe, severely disable them in their lives. That's tragic. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she is trying to find a cure and she approaches Blaylock and Blaylock and Thomas realize that back in Vanderbilt, they had essentially done very similar processes um, where they joined the subclavian and the pulmonary arteries, which are arteries around the, uh, around the heart, in order to increase blood flow to the lungs. So they thought, hey, we actually did something similar to what you're asking for. So let's see what we, so what we can do. Mm. So Blaylock tasked Thomas with creating a blue baby-like condition in a dog then correcting it with our process. Poor dog. So not 100% <laughs> sure about the details here, but it sounds like he's telling the guy to, you know, mo move around with the organs of a dog to create a condition that you would wow. find in a child and then to correct it. So it's, basically, wow. call it, crazy. like, make the problem and then try to fix the problem. Yes. Interesting. That, uh, yeah, that brings up something uh, interesting in terms of medical research and that is that a lot of what we know about medicine today is because of, you know, surgeries and experiments that we would consider unethical. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, like there's a huge ethical, uh, you know, debate about how do we actually conduct medical experiments, right? We, we, we can't, mm. like, in order to find out how to fix this problem, is it right to... It either induce the problem or just like cut someone open and start looking around or you know like we yeah. can't just do that yeah. to people yeah but sometimes that kind of thing did happen and a lot of what we know today in the medical field is because of those kinds of unethical experiments so it really brings yeah. up the question like what like at what point is it unethical you know and that even brings up what the experiments that are happening today on say like mice and stuff, there's a question of how ethical any of that stuff is too, yeah. depending yeah. on your views of, of animal cruelty, you know? But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. Cause yeah, again, even when I was reading through it, just thinking of the stuff they do on dogs in order to try to save, you know, little kids lives when you're first reading, it's just, it's, you know, it's horrifying to think of them working on the dogs, but you know, he so Thomas ends up across almost two years working with around 200 dogs. Hmm. But wow. as a result, he's able to prove 
that their method is not only not lethal, but it can also be safely attempted on a human patient. Wow. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In that yeah, case, it so, really was. And again, also remember technology at that time. I think there are ways now where we can test things um, that we don't have to rely on such methods. But remember, there, this, there was probably very few other ways you could even test this surgery. Yeah. So in that case, it really did seem like it was um, one of the few options that, that they'd have to do that kind of research. The Unsung Ethical Moral Dilemmas podcast. <laughs> it's just, it's hard to come to a conclusion because, you know, a lot of people's because, you know, a lot of people have different yeah, backgrounds that affects the way they think. So, you know, w one of us might be thinking, I mean, heck, yeah, sacrificing animals for research into preserving human lives like all the way. Whereas another person might be a lot more hesitant on unless we're 100 percent sure that this is going to get us somewhere. We shouldn't be, you know, like it's animal right. cruelty, you know, so. Yeah, like I owned dogs growing up, so I care about dogs. You know, <laughs> well, I, I had a lot of human friends growing up. So let's let's get back to the story. I do want to ask y'all a question here. Um, so after Tom is, you know, has worked with countless dogs and gone to a point where he says this can safely be done on a human patient. Uh, Dr. Blaylock was so impressed by his work when he inspected the procedure on one of the dogs that he exclaimed, and I, I have the quote here, but I want each of you three to tell me what Dr. Blaylock exclaimed when he saw Thomas's work. And you, want us, you want us to try to predict? We're going to have to guess. Yes. yes, each one of you. Oh, man. Hot diggity dog. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, oh no. Hot diggity dog. Uh, James? Ah, that, that's a hard question. Um, okay, I, I was hoping this would be a lot, a lot easier and a lot more interactive, but we can just well, on, well honestly. done, Thomas. I don't know. <laughs> well done, Thomas. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> oh man, I think he would say, "Well, that wasn't very ethical of you, man." <laughs> <laughs> and then they would go into a dilemma. Oh, <laughs> well, one really has to define what they consider. <laughs> no, well. All very, very good guesses, guys. But what he told Thomas was he said, this looks like something the Lord made. Oh. To signify that, like, he couldn't believe at how how perfectly Thomas had worked, that it looked like it it could not be human hands that had done that. Um, so you can, you can see that Blaylock at this point was con convinced that this could work on a, um, on an actual human patient. Um, so the, Thomas, though, at this time, isn't allowed to operate on patients. Um, so he, is, he had to assist Blaylock during the surgery, uh, which you know, reading at first, I was like, oh, that's racism. But honestly, m almost 100 percent, that probably was because he didn't have, you know, a degree. Hmm. And I believe without a degree, you, like without having that medical degree, you can't actually operate on a living patient. So I think that's. Dogs yeah, are totally fine, from. though. I mean, do, do whatever you want with the dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, keep in mind that during this time, there is a lot of segregation. So I'm sure that even even if very little has played into the details of his life. Right. Uh, so the, fir the procedure was first tried on an 18-month-old infant named Eileen Saxon. Uh, her whole body had a very like bluish look to it as she was suffering this. 
Um, and there were no instruments for cardiac surgery at the time. So what Thomas did was he adapted the needles and clamps that he used in the animal's lab. So he just grabbed the things that he would use on the animals and tried to make instruments out of them. Wow. Um, wow. And during the surgery, Dr. Blaylock requested that Thomas stand up on a step stool at his shoulder and coach him step by step through the procedure. Wow. So he's Tom, Vivian Thomas is literally right behind him and yeah. telling him every single thing to do. I can imagine him as like a puppeteer in some ways. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's funny to read too cuz but you know the reason was Thomas had performed the surgery hundreds of times on dogs but Blaylock had only done it once and he'd only done it once as Thomas's assistant. Wow. Yeah. And wow. yet he so, he wasn't allowed to operate yeah, on him. So person. he had to he could only you know coach him step by step. Wow. Um so the surgery eventually ultimately wasn't a complete success, though it did prolong the infant's life for several months. Um but this allowed them to operate on an eleven year old girl later words, and it was a complete success. And right after that they also operated on a six year old boy uh with success as well and they it's recounted dramatically that he uh the the kid regained his color by the end of the surgery hmm. wow. so you know the blue was fading and his color was coming back so it was clearly an extremely effective surgery so these three cases that we just mentioned they received a ton of attention and press but only mentioned Blaylock and Tossig that pediatric uh, pediatric surgeon who approached them so you know, no mention no of Thomas mention. at all. Wow. Uh, which wow. again, that's at that point, it's completely you know segregationism at that point. Um, wow. And, and it's just right. it's and, and it, it might have might have looked bad on. And we consider Blaylock's position for him to, regardless, even if it you know I'm sure there was obviously the race racial issue there as well. But even if he was a, a white person, for example, there's that issue of oh well, I basically did the surgery at the behest of just some assistant, right? Yeah. <laughs> He'd done all the work himself. Yeah. Yeah. That would probably reflect poorly on the institution and as well. And, 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 no, and you're he, right. a, a person who didn't have a degree, it's like... Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're right. Yeah. It's just unfortunate for a lot of things lined up against him, I guess, to kind of make yeah. it... It really is, yeah. Under, I mean, underknown, it's, yeah. It's mentioned that even later on, as there's more press, he, he isn't even included in, like, pictures of the team wow. as they perform these surgeries. So... Man. So, you know, what, what you said is exactly right, James. But at the same time, yep. you know, I, yeah. I, in my mind, think there is nothing necessarily bad about including me in a photo. But, you know, yeah, right. who knows? Yeah. Obviously, we don't have all the all the information. So, um, but yeah, so at by this point, Blaylock, Dr. Blaylock is just like golden status in the medical field. Um, and people are singing his praises. But Thomas got you know, no credit at all. Mm. Uh, within a within a year, they had operated on over 200 patients, as parents were bringing their kids from thousands of miles away, uh, in order to have the surgery. So again, going back to them operating on dogs and how unethical that may seem, you know, you can't dismiss the fact that they started a groundbreaking breaking thing that wow. eventually has saved. And did he ever get credit during those 200 or those those people afterwards? Uh, or is so, he still not being recognized? He so he has been recognized eventually afterwards, right, but yeah. so we're still in the forties, and he still just has no recognition of it at all. Yeah. Um, and towards the end of that decade, he in J Johns Hopkins, he's kind of become a figure of legend to many of the surgeons he's trained. Um, 
and they just praise him incredibly. But despite the the respect that he got, he was not paid well at all. Um, he he even this is really sad. He even had to work as a bartender many times. Wow. To make more money, and often he would bartend at Doctor Blaylock's parties, serving the same surgeons that he had trained that day. Wow. That so. Yeah, it's, mm, oh, yeah. From Thomas's perspective, just imagine that, like, going from training them to suddenly serving them drinks. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's, that's it's just so I unfair. Like, yeah, I feel like there's so many words for it. You know, it's not it's not really. Yeah, it's not really fair, but it's also I feel like you would get a lot of shame. Yeah. I think, you know, just mm-hmm. having to. Did you ever get any insight into his own personal perspective on all of this? Did he ever have do any interviews later in his life? Did he ever get more recognition? further down the road um, or so kind of so he's what we know about him is he's always says that he's always always wanted to go back to um study hmm. um but if, what what happens is even though he thinks about that he he's told to schools that he applies that his life experience wouldn't do him anything and he'd have to start as a freshman and he realizes he'd have to be in his 50s by the time he finished hmm. so he abandons like all his dreams of further schooling um so he's completely given up on that you know he's not being recognized at all so you can imagine it's extremely tough on him but in the end this guy is mostly put up with all of this because he just wants to he he genuinely wants to help and come up with these ways to save people's lives So, I mean, if that's not an unsung hero, guys, I don't Seriously. know. Seriously. <laughs> I don't know what That's what is. I love so, about this podcast is like, it, it really is a moment to appreciate people like this who have been out of the spotlight for so many uh, years. Yeah. So if, eventually, um, it, it gets better for him later on. Um, eventually, through Dr. Blaylock's negotiations, Thomas does become the highest paid assistant at Johns Hopkins around 1946 and easily becomes the highest paid African-American on their payroll. Um, So it's not it's not all bad and things get better. Uh, So to touch on his relationship with Blaylock, uh, it's it's complicated, to say the least, because even just kind of reading through his his life, you know, it makes you think, well, it seems like Blaylock, you know, stood up for him a lot and defended him. Um, I mean, and one of the things was in Vanderbilt and in Hopkins and making sure he comes with him and, you know, allows him to assist him in many of the you know, heart surgeries that he's done and whatnot. Um, and he always insists that he be in the operation room with him, especially in the early on ones. Um, but at the same time, it's it's recorded that his Blaylock's tolerance seemed to have a limit. Hmm. So that was in pay, that was in ac- academic acknowledgement and social interaction outside of work. He didn't necessarily seem to be too keen on those things towards towards uh, Vivian Thomas. So so they weren't friends at all. Yeah, they they kind of were, but I, it's mentioned that there uh, a lot of tensions continued. And there was eventually a huge rift in the friendship when Thomas wasn't acknowledged, acknowledged for curing the babe, blue baby syndrome. Mm. Oh. Um, you know, he wasn't like I mentioned earlier. He was absent in all articles and in team photos. Yeah, which you know, it's it's not that he had a hundred percent of the he was a hundred percent of the reason, but he was a a giant reason for them being able to go through with this pr- procedure. So. Mm. 
so there yeah there was a huge rift in their friendship at that point um and i don't i don't know if they ever reconnected or anything like that um oh just later on in 1964 um blaylock died from cancer um and vivian thomas kept staying at hopkins um he mentored a lot of african-american lab assistants as well as John Hopkins's first black cardiac resident, Lee Watkins Jr., who he helped in groundbreaking work in uh, using a automatic implantable defibrillator. So wow, he he became a huge mentor to all these people. Which you know, again, in his in his mind, he might have been, you know, kind of disappointed, discouraged, and maybe just mad or whatnot. But it just it, from the outside, it just seems like he kept rolling with the punches and. He decided that he, he might have had a crappy, unacknowledged life, but he was just going to turn around and you know, mentor other guys and yeah. uh, girls and just, yeah, um, keep keep hel- helping the human race as much as he could in different medical um, instances. So uh, he so. never actually like got a medical degree. Yeah, no. The only thing that happens is after working there for 37 years... He's finally appointed to the faculty of the School of Medicine as an instructor of surgery, like officially. And in 1976, Johns Hopkins University gave him an honorary doctorate. So he was finally able to be called doctor by um, um, by the people there. Yeah, cool. But since he didn't have an official medical degree, it was only honorary. You know, he was never allowed to operate on a living patient. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it is it is crazy. He might be like so, one of the few people in the world to jump from a high school diploma to a to a doctorate, doctorate. an honorary doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, seriously. Probably pretty rare. So, yeah. Yeah, very rare. That's awesome. Yeah, and ultimately in in 2005, Johns Hopkins School of Medicine uh they started this, doing this thing for um their first year medical students where they divided them up into four different colleges and one of them they named after Vivian Thomas. Mm. Oh. So oh. he is he is unsung, but he is named hero. If that <laughs> <Yeah>. makes sense. <laughs> um, but, but is there a after. song named after him? That's yeah. the real but, question. No, not not that I could find. So, so technically, we're we're okay. So we're still <laughs> fine. <laughs> so here's a here's a bonus question of the round for y'all. Ooh, are we keeping score the, now? Like, is this going to be what, a thing? What, well, none of you got a point for the other one. So, <laughs> yeah. So I told you they divided them up into four different colleges, and one of them was Vivian Thomas. And one of the remaining three, their name has been mentioned in this podcast so far. Blaylock. And it's not Dr. Blaylock. Uh, and you uh, each get one guess. And I want you to be honest. Think of it. I, I'm going to give you five to ten seconds. Just think of the name if you can. Uh, and you uh, will be saying it one by one, but don't listen to each other's answers and wait, let that change your no, answer. Wait. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is hard. Wait. So you've said it before, right? Yes, okay, I don't remember the name, but what was that female doctor? It was who, probably the female doctor. Who <laughs> Were got, all three of you thinking that person? Yes. Wait, I'm thinking yes, one okay. of the dogs. That that is the person. <laughs> oh, I was way off. <laughs> Johnny lost a point. All right, Johnny loses a point. This <laughs> yeah. was a, this was a horrible way to do a quiz, but sorry, we're we're trying to get used to different formats here. Yeah. So James and Samuel get a point. This Yay! Week. Hey. Uh, what? They didn't say the name. John- I'm a winner. <laughs> they didn't say the name. At I'm, least they thought I'm about it. I'm contesting this. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why? That this is unfair. <laughs> Wow! Wow! Jeez! All right, you you know what? Fine, I'll 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 get it next week. Yes. Okay. Anyway, 
Yeah. Well, to to finish things off, um, in so Thomas eventually retired and he died in 1985 of pancreatic cancer. Mm. So that puts him at age of 75. Wow. Mm. So fairly long life. And yeah. the last cool tidbit that I have on him is his nephew. Uh, the name is K O C O. Is it Coco? I guess K O C O. Coso. Coso. Coco Eaton. I'm not so sure. So Thomas's yeah. nephew graduated from John Hopkins School of Medicine, and he was actually taught by many of the physicians that his uncle Thomas had trained. Oh, cool. Wow. wow. And so this guy is now the team doctor for the Tampa Bay Race, the baseball team in, wow. oh, in Florida. Florida. So uh-huh. if any of our listeners know know this man, uh, if you can get us connected with him, that would yeah, be... Yeah, get us a signed <laughs> baseball or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tampa Bay Rays, would you like to sponsor... Yeah, <laughs> go to the team. It's like, can I get one of you guys' autographs? It's like, yeah, sure. No, your team doctor. Like, yeah, I want we need that your doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, hey, you, that's cool. you never reminded us of the name of the woman. Uh, because I forgot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Even Daniel loses a point. <laughs> no, wait, what? <laughs> Samuel and I are in the lead. <laughs> Her name is Helen Tossig. 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 So uh, the Tossig School of Medicine then? Or a school yes. of something. Yeah, the the school of medicine's divided into four. One of them, right? Is okay, yeah, Thomas, yeah. Gotcha. Thomas. I'm not sure about the other two, but yeah, that that is the the story of the legendary Vivian Thomas. Like I said, John Hopkins has thankfully uh, acknowledged his contributions. Yet it's just, I, I felt like this. Yeah, we need to know about this. He's man. an unsung hero. Yeah. yeah. Well, he. It's really cool how he even never, like, never had that formal education but was still so influential you know and so knowledgeable yeah, yeah. so many so many things make him cool because you know he's not just like a i mean not that those people aren't cool as well but he's not just someone who came up with something incredible and we don't know about him but in his life too you know segregated a lot they didn't have any uh like you just said johnny any formal education over high school yet you know he just kept pushing on because he he genuinely did this out of his kindness and goodness towards others yeah. and wanting to solve these problems and that 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 is a hero right yeah. there it really yeah. it really does go back down to character i think that's been the common theme we've noticed yeah. in the past several weeks yeah, you're right samuel good well, thank good you point. the bonus point for samuel <laughs> yes oh man <laughs> It's, that's yeah. not actually a bonus point. I, I, you know what? No points for anyone this week. We're hey. we're still trying to figure this out. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Johnny's happy. That's right. Everybody back down to my level. <laughs> uh, Daniel. So, is there anything else uh, to wrap up about this guy? Well, if I was gonna say, if in our audience, if you know of someone who suffered from blue baby syndrome, share this podcast with that person and let them know that they have Vivian Thomas to thank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. To to that person especially there this you know Vivian yeah, Thomas is a hero, uh unsung hero, yeah. Yeah, wow. that's awesome. All right. Well, uh thanks so much for listening everyone. Thanks for making it to the end of this episode. We are going to go ahead and play the song about uh Vivian Thomas right now. Uh James and I are going to get to work on it and play it right now, so stick around in just a few seconds for that. Again, follow us on Instagram, Unsung Heroes Podcast, and stay tuned for a new episode every two weeks. All right. We'll see you guys on the next one. Bye-bye, guys. All right. Bye-bye.
All he ever wanted was medical school But the depression pulled a fast one and played him a fool He got no money and he got no fame But there's a good reason to remember his name Wouldn't give him recognition They paid him as a maintenance man But others gonna gain from his wisdom So Vivian will do what he can He got no degree But what he did can't be ignored He can't do his job He'll show you how you can do yours Johns Hopkins at Blaylock's side Who needed all the help that he could provide he Started operations and he saved many lives he Switched to training others so that more could survive But 